Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Summit Church Fenton, and Happy New Year. It's so good to be back with you. Uh, it's been several weeks since since we've been here with you, but uh, uh, it's good to be back. Hope everyone had a had a great Christmas and a, a Merry Christmas and that you're enjoying a Happy New Year. Uh, I know in 27 years of pastoring in the church building uh, with my wife and I, we, we seldom took any time off or any vacations. We did take some, but very few. And so now it's just uh, we feel like from time to time we need to take some time off. And, and it's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. And, uh, but we'll still be with you right here most weeks as we move forward in time and uh, just look forward to teaching the Word of God uh, uh, to you and discussing the scriptures and uh, anyway it's it's uh, I look forward to what lay ahead here in 2023 uh, uh, and trust that we'll have some good times in the word of God so with that being said I want to begin a series and I'm going to be conducting this series for for it probably several months but it's going to be uh, I think a rich time a good time uh, we're going to learn a lot of things about the Word of God and the Kingdom of God. And uh, going to be uh, titling this series, Jesus, the Great Storyteller. Jesus, the Great Storyteller. And what I'm going to be doing is going through the, the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, well, through the Gospel accounts in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to be studying Jesus's parables. Jesus's parables, uh, and and we'll get we'll get most of them. I may not get all of them, but we'll we'll get most of them. And uh, so I'm looking forward to 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 this series. Uh, Jesus, the great storyteller, studying his parables. And you know, Jesus, the greatest storyteller of all. And uh, and and we're just we're just going to learn a whole lot. Um, uh, of course, you say you might say, well, what, or ask me, what is a parable? Well, as you, you've already probably assumed, a parable is a story. A parable is just, it's a story or an illustration that draws a comparison between the natural realm and the spiritual realm. And, and Jesus told a lot of parables. But a parable is simply a story. It's a story. That's why I'm titling this Jesus the great storyteller, Jesus told a lot of stories or he told a lot of parables. And uh, a parable is a story or an illustration that draws a comparison between the natural realm and the spiritual realm. And uh, another thing I could say here is a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. I like that definition. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And, uh, you know, many of Jesus's parables, he began by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like unto. The kingdom of heaven is like unto. He, he, he used that phrase in many of his parables as he began to, to share them with the people. The kingdom of heaven is like unto... And so the, the study that we're going to do on, on Jesus' parables will show us and teach us many things about the kingdom of God, about the kingdom of heaven, and how it operates. And so I think, I think this is really going to be a, a great series for us to learn some things about how the kingdom of heaven or 
we could say the kingdom of God operates. And uh, also I would say this, or could say this, parables, parables, now listen to this, use that which is familiar to bring light to that which is profound. Parables use that which is familiar to bring light to that which is profound. The familiar lights up the profound and the profound is remembered through the familiar. Well, I like that. Let me say that again. The familiar lights up the profound and the profound is remembered through the familiar. Well, I like that. I really like that. Um, and you know, sometimes a story, and that's what a parable is, it's a story. Sometimes a, a story can prove to be very powerful in getting a point across to someone. I think about, you know, King David when he was in sin and, and wasn't repenting and the Lord had uh, one of his prophets, Nathan, go over uh, to where David, uh, you know, to the palace there where David was and, and shared a, a parable or a story with, with David. And, and through that story that Nathan shared with, with, uh, David, it was, he was able to get David to see, you know, that he had gotten away from the Lord and that he was in sin and that he needed to repent. And so, um, so anyway, parables. Wow. This is, I'm looking forward to, to sharing over the next several months with you about Jesus's parables. Now, go with me, if you would, to Matthew, the 13th chapter. Matthew, the 13th chapter, just some introductory material here. Uh, and then we'll get into to, uh, a parable here in just a moment, one of Jesus's parables. But Matthew, some introductory things here. Matthew 13, verse uh, 34 says this, All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables. So he, he spoke to multitudes of people and he used parables. All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables and without a parable, he did not speak to them. Lots of parables. Jesus was, again, the title of this series, Jesus, the great storyteller. And, uh, uh, and so without a parable, he did not speak to the multitudes, the Bible says here. In verse 35, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Wow. Now you think about that, uh, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Now that right there, is, I mean, makes me hungry and thirsty to study the parables uh, of the Lord because in these parables, we're going to learn things that had been, that had been kept secret from the foundation of the world. I mean, studying Jesus's parables is so important because again, he uttered things in those parables and the scripture tells us right here, things that had been kept secret from the foundation of the world. And so when Jesus got up and when he taught, now, now he didn't always, he didn't always speak in parables. I mean, I think of the, I think of the Sermon on the Mount, 
You know, that, that was a, 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 a sermon where, I mean, he may, he may have shared a parable within that. I'd have to go back and, and look specifically at the Sermon on the Mount, but that wasn't a, a sermon of parables. So he didn't always speak in parables, but he spoke in parables a lot. And, and in those parables, those simple stories that he gave, again, showing how the kingdom of God operates, um, uh, uh, earthly stories giving us heavenly meanings, you know, spiritual meanings. But it, within those parables, again, we're going to learn some things that had been kept secret from the foundation of the world. So the parables of Jesus, very important to study and understand. Now look at Mark, the fourth chapter. And the 33rd verse, Mark 4.33, says, And with many such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. So as he addressed the, the, the multitudes of people and, 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 and so forth, many on many occasions he, he, he would speak in parables. And, uh, but notice, with many such parables or stories, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. And, you know, um, I've learned this in, in teaching over the many last, what, three or four decades that, you know, as you teach a, a, a group of people, whether it be a larger, large group or small group, uh, you, you can only teach people so far as they're able to understand it. And, uh, and that's what Jesus did. The Bible said that he spoke in parables as they were able to hear it, as they were able to bear it. I think the King James puts it that way. It'd be like a good example would be, you know, I wouldn't go into a class of basic math students and begin teaching algebra to them. Nor would I go into a, because I used to be a math teacher, I wouldn't go into a, a, a class of, you know, algebra one students or college algebra students and start teaching calculus to them because they wouldn't be able to understand it, hear it, bear it. You know what I mean? They wouldn't be able to get it. And so you have to, you know, if you're teaching, you know, a basic math, you start there and then work, work them up to algebra. And then after that, work them into trigonometry and then into calculus and then into differential equations and so on and so forth, you know, and, uh, and, and so you can't just go into a class, like I said, of basic math students and start teaching them algebra or calculus. They're not going to get it. So as a teacher, you have to be, uh, very attuned to your audience. And Jesus, the greatest teacher of all, he was very attuned to the crowd that was listening to them, to, to him. And, uh, and the Bible's clear. There's times Jesus couldn't, couldn't share things with people, even his disciples, because they weren't, they had not developed spiritually enough. They were not mature enough spiritually to be able to understand what, what, on some occasions, what he, what he wanted to tell them. It wouldn't have done any good if he had shared it with them because they would have understood it anyway. It would have went right over their heads. Now, I, I, I've, t- I've done a lot of teaching over the last four decades or so, and I've, I've, I've had a lot of things go right over people's heads. And, and sometimes it was because I was sharing things with them that was just too deep. And, and sometimes it was just, you know, I'd share things and people just, you know, that, that they really, they should have been able to get, but they did, as we'll see, well, this will bear itself out as we go, that they just, they just didn't attune themselves to what the Spirit of God was, I think, saying through me, and they didn't get it. So, uh, so, so, you know, I, and I've learned this in teaching. There's, there's the teacher's side of things, and then there's the, the pupils, the, the students' side of things. 
and, uh, and, and to really get the fullness out of a, a subject, the teacher has to know what he or she's talking about, and the student has to be uh, uh, eager to learn. And uh, it, I tell you what, if you get both of those flowing in the right direction, they come together, you can really get some rich, richness out of it. But if the teacher doesn't know what he's talking about, you could have a group full of eager students and they're not going to get much because the teacher doesn't have anything to share with them and vice versa. The teacher can come in sharp, ready to go, really knowledgeable and and whatnot, full of wisdom and knowledge. And if this, if the students are just lackadaisical and they don't really care about the subject, then you don't get much accomplished either. So, but be that as it may, Jesus would share parables and things with people as they were able to hear it. And then verse, this is Mark 4, verse 34, but without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, now watch this now, this is Mark 4, 34. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. Now you talk about cool, that would be cool to, to be able to hear Jesus tell a story and then not only that, but to, to be in the back room with him getting the explanation to that story, to that parable. I mean, what an honor that, that his disciples had in that they were able to not only hear the parable, but then get the in-depth explanation afterward it says and when they were alone he explained all things to his disciples now we'll see as we go in this in this uh in this study we'll see it right out of the blocks here in this first parable that we're going to get to either we'll get into it today or next next session see how it goes here with time but see when you read that you think that it was just the 12 apostles that you might think it was just the 12 apostles that got in on the in-depth explanation but you will see as we go here, it wasn't just the 12, but anybody who wanted to stick around and listen to Jesus expound on that parable was welcome to stick around. Again, just reading it quickly, you would think here, just if, if you just read verse 34, you might just assume that, well, it was just, you know, he gave the parable and then just the 12 he gave the in-depth explanation to. But we'll see, it wasn't just the 12, it was, it was the 12, all right, but it was anybody who wanted to hang around afterwards and hear what he had to say in his in-depth explanation. You know, I've, I've again, in, in the many years of, of pastoring and teaching, I know in some of the church services that we, we had over the years, you know, we'd have a full crowd of people there and I'd be up teaching and, and, and you know, uh, we teach and trust that we were flowing with the Holy Spirit, teaching the Word of God. The teaching anointing would be, would be, would be heavy and strong and rich and things coming out. And then, you know, that was time to, it was time, you know, if the service would, would, you know, it's time to close up after about 45 minutes to an hour, I'd begin to wind down the, yeah, well, what I tried to do is I always tried to teach as long as the Holy Ghost was, was, was flowing, you know, with, with me. And, uh, uh, there's a few times I, I taught, I taught after the Holy Ghost was ready to, was ready to shut, shut her down. And then, you know, I did that a few times, but, 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 uh, you know, sometimes we preachers, we can just preach on too long. So I learned as a youngster in ministry, as I went along to, to, you know, when the Holy Ghost is ready to ready to close up the service. Then it's time to close up the service and not teach on past where he wants to go, you know. 
but, uh, uh, but, but yet there's, you know, I, I never did really think that there was much, much good in keeping people around for hours and hours. And, you know, uh, you know, I've learned this in teaching that the, 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 your brain and really your spirit can only absorb about as much as your, as your, as your backside can endure sitting on that seat, you know, and so after about 35, 45, 50, 60 minutes, you know, just depending, it's time to close down. Sometimes I taught on longer than that and I, and I should have, but, uh, you don't, as long as the Holy Ghost is moving, I tell you what, you want to just, you want to just hold, hang in there and just teach right along. And, uh, anyway, why I said that, I don't know, but, but, so I, but, but here's what I was trying to get at is there were times over the, the many years when we'd have, you know, we'd have the church full of people and I'd be up teaching and the Holy Ghost moving and, and, and in that healing anointing, you know, and I tell you what, this is just things, rich things coming out of me, not cause I'm anything, but because I studied and prayed and I was attuned to the Spirit of God and teaching the Word of God, but just, just as the Lord would begin to illuminate the Word of God and the, and things would just flow out by the Spirit of God, very rich. But then, you know, it's time after 45, 50 minutes, whatever, I'd, I'd close up the service. Here's why I said all that to get to this. And, and, and I'd dismiss, and sometimes, not every time, once in a while, I'd just stick around down there in the front. And uh, it's interesting, most of the people would leave, but, uh, uh, but, but I'd have, I'd have uh, you know, I, I don't know, I'd have a group of maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe 15 or 20 people that would just hang around. And I tell you what, there were a few occasions over the years where, where I mean, that, that anointing would just pick right back up and just some of the richest things would come out and really expounding upon things that I had shared earlier when the larger crowd was there. And so I, I experienced that on, on uh, what, what, what's being gotten at here uh, on a certain level in my ministry. But of course, uh, what I'm trying to get at here is, is, is anybody could have stuck around and got the in-depth explanation that Jesus was going to give. And uh, uh, it wasn't just the 12. And like I was, I'm trying to say here is that in my years of my, I'm not trying to compare myself to Jesus in any way, shape, form or fashion, but, but yet he's our example. We ought to try to be like him. And I noticed in my ministry, it, it, what, I guess what else I want to say is it was interesting that, that the bulk of the people always left. The bulk of, now you're going to want to remember that for when we get into the first uh, parable. Now, I, I was that we're going to get into in just a moment. Now, I was always thankful that the crowds came. They were there over the many years. Good people, wonderful people. Uh, and, and, you know. But anyway, that being said, glad they were there. But when I dismissed, the bulk of the people would always leave. The bulk of them would always leave. Now, remember that for later. If you're taking notes, write that down. The bulk of the people would always leave. You know, and, and when I say always leave, I don't mean they'd rush right out the door. You'd have a few people leave just, you know, sometimes folks have places to go, things to do. We understand that, but they'd go and, and then you'd have some people milling around. But but pretty much, you know, they, they wouldn't stick around to hear any more, you know, ex, expounding on what was what was just said. You know, and, and again, you know, you teach 45, 50 minutes, it's time to go home. I get that. But I'm talking on a few occasions over the years. But you dismiss and it. it the people, even sometimes, I'll even say this, even sometimes I would say, you know, I, I, now, you know I've dismissed the service, but if you want to hang around for a while, we're going to hang, hang around down here and, and just talk some more about the Word of God. I would even say that. And you'd always have the, listen to this, you'd always have the bulk of the people would disperse and, and, and go. 
hang around in the back or in the foyer, talk for a while and go, but they wouldn't hang around for the ex, for the expounding. You just have a small group that would hang around for that, much smaller group. And sometimes some of the richest things came out when you just had, you know, 10, 12, 15, 20 people hang around right there at the end. Now that's going to be important for this first parable that we're going to get into. But the point is, is any, now get this, Jesus did not just explain the parables to the 12. He gave them an in-depth explanation to anybody that wanted to hang around for it. Now, I know I've belabored this a bit, but I believe I've belabored it. I believe I've belabored it. You try saying that. I believe I've belabored. I believe I've stayed on this point longer than I, than I thought I, I was going to because I believe the Holy Spirit has, has arrested me to this, to get to you, get this across to you. Look, don't just, don't, don't just sit and hear the word of God, hear it, and then just, you know, just, just, okay, you hear, hear it, and then just go your way. Always be quick to give attention to it. Not just when you're sitting there in the, like when the pastor's preaching. I mean, listen to it carefully, but be a note taker. I'd recommend that. And, and hang on every word. And, and if, if, if he, if he were to say, your pastor were to say, hey, we're going to hang around here afterwards. If, if you know, if, if we're going to discuss the word a little bit further. Now, I realize people have sometimes you got a, you got a baby shower to go to or so. I understand that. But I mean, put the word of God first. Put the word of God first. I tell you what, any pastor I ever, uh, sat under or any, any, any spiritual leader that I ever sat under, as long as they were there in the sanctuary and they were sharing the word of God, I don't care. Even if they dismissed the service and they were hanging around, I always stayed. I always did. Even if I had somewhere I had to go, somewhere I had to be, I, you know, the word, I, I'm just telling you what I did. I put the word of God first. And if I, if, if that's, if that teacher that I, that I thought enough of that God put me under, as long as they were going to be sharing anything, I was staying around for it. I was a stay after. Christian, you know, there's not, there's not that many stay after the service Christians. You know what? They'll stay after and eat cookies or have donuts or, and I'm not against that, but stay after, let's study the word of God some more. There's not very many of those around, but I tell you what, that's where you can get some of the richest, richest things from the spirit of God, the word of God and the spirit of God. And, uh, why am I belaboring this? Cause you need to be the stay after kind of Christian that, yeah, be there for the service. But if, if, if the Holy Ghost goes on a little bit long and, and, and stay and don't, don't, don't be, don't always be looking at your watch waiting for the preacher to get done so you can beat the other church to the, to the restaurant for lunch, you know, just hang on every word. And if the, and if the pastor, now I'm not talking about a pastor that just, just goes long every week just to be going long, you know. Uh, have a long service. I'm talking about if on occasion, you know, he goes on long, you know, you know, goes on past a normal 35, 45, 55 minutes, whatever it is, hang on every word, be a stay. And if he stays longer and he dismisses and says, Hey, we're going to be down here. I'm going to talk about the word of God a little bit more. You be a stay after Christian. You stay after. And, and Jesus, he teach the, those great parables and then, and then he dismissed the crowds and, but, and then he'd give the explanation. Anybody who wanted to attend could have stayed. The vast multitudes left. And they missed out on that explanation that Jesus had for them. 
boy, I, I just can't get off of this. You be a stay after Christian that stay after. What do I mean? Stay after the service is over. And if the preacher has more to say, if the Holy Ghost has more to say through, you hang on every word and you listen. I did that over all the years and it has paid rich, 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 rich dividends. Glory to God. I, I, I just feel impressed to say this. You know, when I opened this message, I talked about how in 27 years, uh, I didn't take very much time off. And now, of course, we're taking some more time around, you know, around Easter and around, you know, around Christmas and Thanksgiving. And that's a good, healthy thing. But I have to say this, and I don't say this to bolster me at all, not at all. But, you know, in 27 years of, of, of pastoring in, in, a, in a church building, now, of course, we're doing it virtually online. But you know what? I never missed one service other than the few times that I did go on vacation with my wife. I never missed one service, one time that I was scheduled to be in the pulpit in, in 27 years. I never missed one service. Now, occasionally we'd have a, a guest minister, so I'm not counting that, but I'd be there for the guest minister too. And I'd introduce him, him or her and they'd get up and preach and so forth. But uh, I'd be there. But I was there. I never missed, never, you know, I had perfect attendance in 27 years. Now, you know, I, I, I tell you what, I thank God that, I, that he kept me healthy during all that time. I never missed one, never one sick day in 27 years. Now, you know, there were times that I, that I was having a blue day or a down day. You know, we all have those. But I went in the pulpit. There were some times that I tell you what, I had some circumstances going on that were dire and not good. But I, I went in that pulpit anyway. But the point is, I was a stay after Christian. I'd stay after, hang on the word of God. Always put the word of God first. Pays rich dividends. In 27 years of ministry, I never, never, had, never had a sick day. Never had to take a sick day. Isn't that? Never had a time I missed preaching. When I was scheduled to be in the pulpit, you be a stay after Christian to it. I tell you what, you'll, it pays rich dividends. Glory to God. But the point here again, anybody that wanted to stay after for Jesus's teaching to get the in-depth explanation was welcome to do so. Uh, so I, I, well, good. I'm glad I was able to get that across to you. Now, let's go to Matthew, the 13th chapter. Matthew, the 13th chapter, and uh, I'm going to read, starting in verse 10, I'm going to read uh, several verses here out of the Message Bible. Now, you have to be careful with the Message Bible because it is a paraphrase. And so the people that put that together are telling you what they think the original text said. And that's true of any paraphrased Bible. So you have to be careful when you study the Bible Especially when you use, I seldom use the message or any par, really a paraphrased uh, Bible version. Once in a blue moon I will, but I always go check it out, what I'm about to share with you in the King James, the New King James, the NIV, the Amplified Classic, all the major words I check out in the Greek text to be sure that what this paraphrased version is giving you it, it is in line with the original text. And I think this pretty well does it gets the point across about parables. So let's look at this. Matthew 13, verse 10. The disciples came up and asked. Now they came up to Jesus. This is Matthew 13, 10, the Message Bible. 
the disciples came up and asked, why, they asked Jesus, why do you tell stories? Or why do you tell parables? So they asked him. He's going to give us the answer. Verse 11, Jesus replied, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everybody has this gift, this insight. It hasn't been given to them. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understandings flow freely. <laughs> That's the truth. I tell you what I loved as a teacher to get into a, into a crowd of people, teaching them that were hungry for the Word of God and would have stayed for hours if I would have stayed there teaching them, assuming the Holy Ghost was flowing that length of time, you know, that he was staying hooked with us. Boy, that's fun as a teacher. But whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understandings flow freely. I've already been teaching in crowds where, where things just flowed out of me, came out of me. I mean, things that I had put in me, I mean, it's all in line with the Word of God, but things that God had put in me years before that I forgot was even in there, just that crowd would just draw it out of you. Now, I didn't realize these things until I stepped on this side of the pulpit and started teaching. Uh, before I got into ministry and, and began to teach, I didn't realize what I'm telling you, but I, I realized it quick. I mean... I mean, sometimes I, I know I've been teaching in, in, in church services for years where the Holy Spirit wanted to get things across and have me say things. And I and the crowd limited me. I couldn't couldn't get them out. Couldn't, you know, but I've been in other situations where the crowd, I mean, they they is just drawing it out of me. And it just the word of God just flowing out of me. And I mean, those are for a teacher. Those are the, those are a fun. Those are the fun times that I've been I've been. been Teach, I've talked to other groups of people where it's just like, you know, going through a, going through a, a, a patch of thorns. You just couldn't, couldn't, you know, just, just couldn't, couldn't make any headway because they were not eager to, to, to hear the word of God. They were, they were continually, you know, after I taught about 30 minutes, they're looking at their watch continuously because they can't wait. You know, I, I remember one guy, he just, he, he just fidget, fidget in his seat after I taught 15 minutes. He fidget, fidgeted in his seat, just couldn't wait to get out of there. And, 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 and it, it, you know, it wasn't just with me. He'd do that with other preachers as well. Problem wasn't with the preacher. The problem was with him. But I tell you what, you get into a crowd teaching where people are hungry for the word of God. Oh, my goodness gracious. I tell you, if that preacher's full of the word of God, you can really, like one preacher said, it'll feel like heaven came down, kissed the earth, and we get caught right in the middle of the smack. Now, you know what it had of that kiss? Glory to God. I mean, that's fun time right there. Uh, when the crowd and the preacher are, are, are all, you know, we're flowing, flowing together, man, you can really get some revelation of the, uh, some, some richness from the word of God. But anyway, Jesus said, whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understandings flow freely. But if there's no readiness, any trace of receptivity uh, soon disappears. Be, if you're listening, whatever you listen to the word of God, have a receptive heart. Have a receptive heart. He says, that's why I tell stories. Now he says, to create readiness. To create readiness. Uh, I know this. I used to teach uh as I've said before, I used to teach math. And I tell you where my favorite time teaching math was, was at St. Louis Community College at Merrimack. 
And I'd get in there and I'd be teaching, you know, I'd be teaching algebra or whatever it is. And then I'd, you know, I just, I'd just start telling a story. I, and, and, and sometimes it had to do with math, but sometimes I just started telling a story. Now, this isn't math class, math class. Sometimes I just start telling a story. And, uh, uh, and boy, those, those students just love those stories. And at the end of the, and sometimes I almost, I almost felt bad because I felt like I told too many stories. I always got the material in that I needed to with the math, but, but I'd have the students write up a, 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 what they thought about the class at the end of every semester. And I said, you know, tell me the good, the bad, the ugly. What did you think about the class? And they could put their name down or not. But again and again, they would write down, not all of them, but so many of them would write down, don't stop telling those stories. We like those stories. And of course, in, in the ministry, I've, you know, I've told stories too over the years. And, uh, uh, I've noticed this in, in, in teaching it, you know, if I'm going along teaching the doctrine of the scripture and that's where I spend most of the time. But I noticed when I'd start telling a story, I'd notice the crowd would like perk up and, and it would like, it would like get their interest more so than what I'd have it before. There's something about a good story that can illuminate. I like what one good minister said. He said that, that, that if you storytelling, if it's done right, it's like windows in a house. It brings, it allows light in and you can tell a story that will illustrate a point. And I tell you what, it's really, really, uh, stories that there, now, of course, you can tell too many stories and you can start telling stories that don't have anything to do with the subject matter and get off in, in the ditch. I'm not talking about that, but I tell you what, like when I start telling a story about the scripture, that's something that happened to me. I've always noticed the crowd would perk up and listen to that. And it would bring illumination to the scriptural point that I was, was, was trying to drive home. But he says that Jesus said, that's why I tell stories to create readiness, to nudge the people toward receptive insight. That's why he told stories. That's why he told parables. He said in their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it. Listen till they're blue in the face and not get it. So you see, uh, rather than just stand there and teach technical doctrine, which is, is good to do. And I do that so much, but boy, I tell you what, if you can mix that with some, some appropriate stories that illuminate that doctrine, I tell you what, it could really, really take somebody who, uh, I've already seen people who would have no interest in just the, just, just the doctrine of the scripture. But if you could tell a story, and nudge their interest, create readiness about them, and then teach them the doctrine through that story, the doctrine of the scripture through that story, well, I tell you what, you can get through to people that you otherwise couldn't get through to, okay? So parables are are, are, are very, very good things. Stories are good things. Everybody, let's face it, everybody likes a good story. And so I tell you what, if you can tell anointed ones, ones anointed by the Holy Spirit that, that are relevant, I tell you what, you could really, really help people that otherwise couldn't, uh, couldn't be helped. And, and, uh, it, I tell you what, a good story can just bring, uh, just bring, bring, uh, I don't know what the, what the word is, but it can bring just a freshness to a, to, to I mean, it, I, I always put doctrine at the forefront, teaching Bible doctrine, but, but I tell you what, if you do that all the time, 
Sometimes people could you know, just just start staring at me, you know, with a glazed look, you know, with, with the doctrine. So I always will teach doctrine, but if you can mix some stories, relevant stories in, I tell you what, it you really, it really, uh, uh, it's a breath of fresh air is what I'm trying to say to people. And uh, you can still get the doctrine in as well and have fun and a good time as you go. So anyway, uh, here's some other things. Jesus's parables, looking forward to this, but just some introductory material here today. Now, let me give you some keys to interpreting parables. Just a few, a few things here. Um, first of all, if you're taking notes, and you should be, as we get into Jesus' parables, you need to realize this. Each parable has one plain and simple meaning. I mean, when you get right down to it. Now, you can draw much from his parables, and you can certainly learn more than one lesson from his parables. But if you get right down to it, as we look at his parables, his parables, each one has one plain and simple meaning. Okay? If you remember that, that'll help you as we study his parables. And I'll point that out to you as we go along again and again. And then, don't try to make every word in a parable hold some profound meaning. Well, I tell you what, I've seen a lot of people get in a, in a, in a doctrinal mess, in a, in, a, in a terrible mess, taking Jesus' parables and, and, and trying to make every word in the parable mean a, a specific certain thing. I tell you what, particularly like in the, the uh, parable of the ten virgins, we'll get to that later on as we, we go through this series down the road. But, uh, you know, he talks about ten virgins and, and five slumbered and slept and he talks about oil in the lamps and this and that and the bridegroom coming. And I tell you, if you get in there and try to make every word in there mean something, as we'll see, I'll go through it when we get to the parable down the road. If you try to make every word in there have some spiritual meaning, you you can get yourself in a doctrinal mess. But really that parable, I'll tell you now and we'll see it again later because like I said, we'll go into it in depth. That parable, simply put, is to uh, to teach us that, that Jesus is coming again and we need to be ready when he comes. <laughs> Plain and simple. But in that parable, if you, tr- of, of the ten virgins, if you try to make every word mean something, you can get, yeah, I mean, you can get into uh, all kinds of errant doctrine as it pertains to the new birth and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and so on and so forth. Uh, so each parable, has one plain and simple meaning. You don't try to make every word in a parable mean something unless Jesus clearly defines what a particular word is, like he does in the parable of the sower, which is the first one we're going to look at. Now, if he if he tells you, you know, this word means thus and so, well, that's different. But if he doesn't say that, then you, then you don't try to put a specific meaning on every single word in a parable. You can get in a doctrinal mess. And by the way, just some keys for interpreting parables. Uh, I've, I've learned this to be a good rule of thumb is, is I, I've never established a doctrine, a Bible doctrine on a parable. I've never established a Bible doctrine uh, on, on a parable. But parables can bring great insight into Bible doctrine. Absolutely. 
as we'll see as we go. But the point is, don't try to make every word in a parable mean something unless Jesus said, hey, this word means thus and so. Otherwise, you could get you get yourself in a mess. And then also, too, uh, it's interesting that as, you, as we study the parables, when Jesus is telling a parable, he, he typically, he does not use personal names. It's like in, in Luke, the 10th chapter, what he talked about Lazarus and the rich man, you know, and that incident about how they both died and one went into Abraham's bosom. The rich, the uh, Lazarus, the beggar, his spirit went into Abraham's bosom and the rich man, which was paradise. The rich man went in his spirit. He was died, buried. His spirit went into hell. The rich man did. See that, that a lot of people think that's a parable. That's not a parable. That is a for real uh, life event that actually happened because Jesus used the beggar's uh, personal name, Lazarus. So that wasn't a parable. That was a, a, that really, really happened. So there's a difference between something that really happened and then Jesus telling a story, you know, which, which is known as a parable, uh, which, which is a, a natural story that illustrates a heavenly event. So anyway, we will, so these are just some things that, that should help you in interpreting parables as we go along. Uh, much more I could say about it, but, uh, I think this is sufficient and, uh, just some introductory material here today and just kind of building a foundation here today for where we're, we're going. Now, um, as I said, we're going to study many of Jesus's parables. We may not get to all of them. We'll get to most of them. I trust it'll be a blessing to you. So the first one we're going to get into. And we'll start with it next week is the parable of the sower, the parable of the sower. And Jesus said that that was the most basic parable of all of all the parables that he that he uh, uh, shared with the people. He said himself that the parable of the sower was the most basic one. And if you can't understand that one you won't be able to understand any of the rest of his parables. So we're going to start out next week with the parable of the sower, his most basic parable. And we'll pick up next week with that one. And I want you to, to read the parable of the sower. And I want you to read, you, you can find it. And uh, you can find it in Mark's gospel account, Mark, the fourth chapter. You can find it in uh, Matthew, the 13th chapter, and you can find it in Luke, the 8th chapter. Okay, so, so Jesus gave the parable of the sower, and, uh, and, and Matthew gave an account, Mark gave an account, and Luke gave an account. And it's important that you read it between now and next Sunday. I want you to go to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's in, uh, right, what did I say? Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8. Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8. Read the parable of the sower. Not just the parable, but the explanation. This is one of the parables where Jesus, you know, somebody said, boy, I wish I could have been there when he gave that in-depth explanation of, of, of a parable. Well, you can on the parable of the sower because the Bible gives it to us. He, the Bible gives us the parable, and then it gives us the in-depth explanation. So read the parable of the sower in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's account. It's important that you read it in all three. And very important now that you read it in all three. And I'll, and I'll tell you why it's important that you read it in all three gospel accounts next uh, Sunday. Okay, so read that, study up on it, and we'll pick up with the parable of the sower next Sunday. And I tell you what, 
we're gonna we're gonna learn some very interesting things. We're gonna learn. We're gonna say some more about the stay after Christian. You know, that what I talked about earlier. That parable brings out everything that I was trying to tell you about it earlier in this message about being a stay after the service Christian. Okay. All right, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John does not give the parable, but it's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So uh, read it, study it, and we'll get into it next week. Hey, if you're out there and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you to repent of your sins. I want to, that just means have a change of heart, change the way you've been living, turn your, your, yourself over to God. Turn, turn your life to God and, and receive Jesus as your Savior. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What does that mean? That means you'll miss hell one day when you die. You miss hell. That's a good deal. And you'll make heaven. That's a, that's a good deal. Okay. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. So call on his name and mean it. Invite him into your life. I tell you what, you'll be glad you did. And he'll make your life worth living. Hey, God bless you. And I'll see you next Sunday. Bye bye.